When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts, it's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What up, everybody? This is Rob Brandt. And this is Rick Brandt, and we are the Brothers Brandt. Welcome to episode 25 of the Brothers Brandt podcast. Holy moly, Rick. Episode 25. We started this in March. This is nuts. This is nuts, right? We are just cruising along into the summer and so enjoying this with you, Rob, reliving a lot of our great memories and getting to connect with a lot of podcast listeners out there. I know uh, they are enjoying the stories as much as we are telling them. Absolutely. And this is such a great one. Our last episode, 20, episode 24, was all about Cooperstown. It was all about our childhood growing up, playing baseball there at Dreams Park, um, you, know, you going back, being an umpire there. And uh, this episode is a little bit like that, but it's all about a tiny town in the middle of Pennsylvania where you have no reason to go there except for this. It's Williamsport, Pennsylvania. So Rick, um, tell the listeners what's in Williamsport. Like, you know, what are we going to talk about here? The Little League World Series. Can you give them the background on this, the history, how it started? I'm going to give a little context here to the Little League World Series and the great town of Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And then we're going to dive into our experiences there because I've been there many, many times. I've had a great relationship with Little League International, and I know you've enjoyed going out there yourself. So let me give the listeners out there a little pretext to Williamsport. So Williamsport, small town, central Pennsylvania, like you said, they host the annual youth baseball tournament. It's called the Little League World Series, and it's for 10 to 12-year-old kids from all over the world. It started in 1947, and it takes place every August on the nicest youth baseball fields in the world. They've got two stadiums there. It's the home of the Little League International Headquarters, their complex. And this tournament each year is broadcasted on ESPN, 
which certainly garners a lot of attention. And what makes it so great is that Little League baseball, as well as Little League softball, is played all over the world on every continent minus Antarctica. And there's kids, whether they're here in the United States, they're overseas in Europe, in Asia, down in the Dominican, wherever they might be, baseball is being played and Little League is the organization that oversees it all. So what happens is these kids play during spring months traditionally, and then in the early summer, right around you know July, they start to play in these all-star games. And each of these leagues around the world, they create these all-star teams, and then they compete in local district, then sectional, then divisional, and eventually regional tournaments, hoping to advance to Williamsport, where they would represent their region at the end of the summer. Rob, it is a treat for any league, little league baseball player to get to go to Williamsport and be on this grand stage. It's cool because in the United States, we've got eight different regions. Internationally, there's also eight regions. So this tournament culminates in a 16-team double elimination tournament. As a spectator, admission is free. So fans, families, anybody, they can go to these games. They don't have to pay or buy tickets. It's two weeks. And for these two weeks, the world becomes captivated with, with what takes place in Williamsport. It's really phenomenal. We're going to dive into a lot of the details, talk about some of the notable players uh, that have played there as a kid, that have gone on to become professional athletes. Rob, let's dive into this thing, shall we? Yes, yes. Let's jump right in. And I just want to echo something, some quick takeaways from there just to drive it home. Uh, you know, super small town in New York two weeks out of the year. It's just- Whoa, 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 whoa. back up a second. Our super small town in Pennsylvania. My apologies, my apologies. You're just still hooked on Cooperstown from our last podcast. Love that town. So, you know, just two weeks out of the year, jam packed with people flying from all around the world, Japan, you know, Tokyo, people coming in, people coming in from Korea, people coming in from Australia and like just taking over this town and the facilities are second to none. You have like a 10,000 person stadium that's built. You got a warning track. It's like, it is heaven for a 12, 12 year old. And uh, we're going to dive into it. Uh, and one of the people that Rick and I are definitely going to bring up is uh, Todd Frazier from Tom's River, New Jersey. It was like episode 10 or 11 with us. We interviewed the, the Todd father and he's uh, notably one of the, uh, one of the best baseball players to ever play there and he plays in the MLB now and he's an ambassador for Williamsport and it was it was just so cool to hear his story so guys if you haven't heard the Todd Frazier episode go back to it listen to it and he's going to talk all about Williamsport and what it means for him as a, as a 12 year old and to this day but jumping into it uh, Rick, where do you want to begin on Williamsport the facilities the notable players the moments well, the Todd father could certainly host this podcast episode by himself, but we are going to do our best to describe all of these fantastic things. So I think, Rob, the best way to talk about Williamsport and the Little League World Series is to talk about it from how it starts. So I mentioned it's a two-week festivity tournament taking place 
in Williamsport. And you said exactly right. People are flying in from all over and they get there early August, right? And what happens the night before, so it's a Wednesday night that the town of Williamsport hosts a parade. It is such a old fashioned and phenomenal parade down its main street in Williamsport. You've got some historic buildings, hotels, restaurants, you've got bars. Uh, it's just a really nice downtown area. And what they do is they shut down the main street and it's so like your typical parade. You've got um, on the sides, there are vendors selling, you know, fried Oreos and pretzels and there's uh, merchandise and there's TV crews and uh, fans, families. They have their lawn chairs set up four, five, six rows deep this couple mile stretch for this parade. And you've got the fire trucks and the uh, dignitaries. And then you've got some, uh, like you said, ambassadors for Little League there during the week of uh, the tournament and the opening parade. I remember I met Hall of Famer Dave Winfield, longtime New York Yankee. He uh, was like the chairman of the parade. And like you said, Todd Frazier and others are there during this festivities. I like about this parade so much. They create a float, a really awesome, cool float for each one of the 16 teams to parade around on. So you've got all these kids, there's about a dozen of them on each team with their coaches on these parades, waving to everybody. They're the superstars. It really sets the tone for what's going to be a fantastic two weeks. There's Rob so much optimism each team each player their parents their siblings everybody that's there thinks that they're gonna be the champions at the end of this because they've been so successful they've conquered their region they now believe that they truly have a chance to be the best team in the world when it's all said and done Yep. So much optimism floating around. So much fun. I mean, in the Todd Father episode, uh, he talked about the barracks and, you know, getting to meet all these people and becoming pen pals with kids from all around the world. So um, such a great way to, um, you know, expand your culture as well. And uh, yeah, and then the tournament starts. And I remember watching this tournament when we were like 10, 11, 12 years old on ESPN and hearing all the names of different players and like, you know, kids from Japan. I remember like Japan or Korea just would always win it, always win it. They had like kids that were, you know, I was short growing up. I was like, you know, 4'10", maybe like when I was that age and like I was super small, maybe five foot, I don't know. And, uh, you know, kids were stepping into the batter's box and they were showing their size and it was like 6'2", 200 pounds. I was like, what is going on? And it was funny because on ESPN they would, they would, they would make it, you know, fun and entertaining. So they would do uh, little questions and then say like, what's your favorite food or who's your favorite player? or What's your favorite memory or your favorite team? And it just made it such a fun experience. It was like playing, uh, it was like backyard baseball, that video game coming to life. And you're like, all right, this is awesome. Like I'm loving this. Um, so I remember watching it and then there were so many great players that came from it too. Like, I mean, just professionally, you know, you got Cody Bellinger, you got Michael Conforto, Todd, 
Uh, you got uh, Gary Sheffield, Matt Castle, Ch Chad Pennington. So you have some like NFL players that, that played. Um, I don't think we could think about, you know, Mo we can't uh, not think about Monet Davis, right, Rick? Oh, Monet Davis. She, so people think of baseball as a boy's sport, but that's not true. These days, there's a lot of girls, a lot of females playing the game of baseball, and it's fantastic to see. And a few years back, back in 2014, I remember I had the privilege of being there, Monet Davis pitched for a team from Philadelphia. So it was an all-boys team. She was, I think, the only girl. There may have been one other girl on the team, but Monet was the star. She became the first ever girl to record a win as a pitcher, and she pitched a shutout during the Little League World Series. She took the world by storm. She actually became the first ever Little League player to appear on the cover of Sports Illustrated at the time of the tournament. She was named the AP Female Athlete of the Year. And she's actually now in college playing softball at Hampton University. But she is probably one of, if not the most notable player to have participated in the Little League World Series. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it was so cool to see that because, you know, growing up in New Jersey, you know, we're only a couple hours away from Williamsport. And when uh, she's from Philly, so it's the Mid-Atlantic region. And uh, they won that and moved on to the tournament. And I just remember, like, all of New Jersey and, like, all of PA just showing up to Williamsport. And I'm pretty sure they had a record attendance for who did. Um, like, they have this massive grass hill where uh, kids can slide down. Like, that's what you see so much. Like, on some days where it rains, uh, kids will have cardboard boxes and they'll slide down it. And it's part of, like, a festivity. But on that day for Monet... Monet Davis, like, it was packed. Like, you couldn't slide down on the cardboard boxes because there was no room. It was literally people sitting on top of each other and a record attendance. Uh, yeah, so the stadium, Rob, you're right. It's about a 10,000-person seat stadium. And then this massive berm that they have behind the home run fence out in the outfield, it ended up filling up to the point where they estimated they had around 45,000 spectators on hand during that night when she was pitching. And she pitched a couple times while at the Little League World Series. They didn't end up winning the whole thing. They won several games. They advanced. It was a great story. And that's what the Little League World Series is all about. It's To me, it's so positive. It's so pure. Um, it hasn't gotten, you know, to like what college athletics are nowadays, big business. Uh, it's not a professional thing. These kids are out there having the time of their life, and it is just so well done by the folks at Little League International. Oh, my gosh. They crush it. And just to cap that off, uh, you know, a fun fact on this is the winning dominance. And then we're going to get into our own experiences because that's going to be a lot of fun reliving that for the second half of this podcast. But uh, the winning dominance for you guys out there, the top three teams, the top three winners is Taiwan. This tiny... I, I think it's an island off in the Pacific, off of China, and 17-time Little League World Series champions. That's impressive. That's impressive. Followed up, by, followed up by Japan, 11-time national champions, and then finally we get to the U.S., where California has won it seven times. 
Um, so uh, Taiwan, this tiny island in the Pacific, is just like, we're going to crush baseball here. Then we're going to fly halfway around the world and crush baseball in the United States. <laughs> they had a great run back in the 80s and 90s, Japan as well. And there's a lot of teams in the United States over the last handful of years that have won it. I know the main Endwell New York back in 2016 were the champions. Um, there was a team from Chicago not too long ago that did really well. And, of course, you and I made a trip out there back in 2019, last August, to watch the Hawaii team, the River Ridge champions from Hawaii, take home the crown. What up, everybody? Sorry to interrupt the regular programming right here, but Rick and I have to pay the bills, so we're going to run an ad. This ad is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the show, guys. Absolutely. Do you want to jump into that story? Or you want to talk about Little, Little Silver Rec Baseball? Yeah, I think we should give a little context here to how familiar you and I are with the organization and also the event itself. So Little League, it should be noted that, yes, we're referring to the Little League World Series as this event out in Williamsport, but there are actually 12 different tournament locations within the United States for various softball and baseball age divisions. So this one particular is for 10 to 12-year-old baseball players, but there are softball tournaments and Little League World Series events held throughout the country for, like, a, like I said, various age groups, whether it's for teenagers or kids that are 9, 10 years old. Um, there's baseball World Series champions and tournaments for kids that are 15, 18 years old all throughout the United States. It's worth checking out on littleleague.org if you have any kids or know of kids that are interested in playing the game. But as it relates to this particular event, which everybody knows it as, the Little League World Series, I myself was a part of a group in a community in New Jersey that got together years and years ago, and we decided to create a charter. That's what these leagues throughout the world are called. They're called charters. So communities, whether it's one particular town or a couple towns, they come together, they create a charter. And then that charter plays their spring recreational baseball and then eventually create those all-star teams that get to Williamsport. Now, when I was, again, years ago, Rob, uh, a part of our community that was creating this charter, I kept noticing all of this printed literature. I mean, rule books, operational guides, instruction booklets. There was so much stuff that was being printed and distributed out to all these different charters. And the company that I had been working for at the time, they um, had the ability to produce these types of printed pieces. So I said to myself, you know what? I should reach out to these guys. I, I probably could help them with some of their 
uh, needs. And it turns out I was able to, and I spent many years, many, many years uh, helping them as a vendor for this Little League World Series and for their operations. We ended up doing signage and other collateral to support the event as well. And what was so great was I got to take pretty much like three or four times out of the year, a trip or two to Williamsport. I got to see it when it was completely vacant. Nobody was around. And this just immaculate facility was sitting still. And I remember one time, Rob, early on in our you know, working professional relationship, I was out there once and I said to this person, I go, hey, listen, what do they do? What's up with this facility? Does it just sit empty for 50 weeks out of the year when the World Series isn't happening? And they host, it turns out, summer camps for kids, which is really nice. And then the maintenance crew does spend a lot of time in the off season making sure that everything's, you know, in shape when August rolls around. But there's this small window, I remember they told me, it was in like late April and throughout the month of May, where charters, wherever you might be, whether you're locally in the tri-state area, you could be in California or Texas. The charter, if they're interested, can reach out. And if there is a spot available, they are willing to, at no cost to the charter, because they're protected under the Little League insurance policies, able to essentially rent the facility for the day. And they're able to go out there and basically bring teams from within their charter to participate. And Rob, you and I took advantage of this opportunity as well as, you know, dozens and dozens of families and kids back in 2015. Tell our listeners what we did that day and how much fun it was. Oh my gosh, it was so cool. All organized by you, Rick. Kudos to you. A memory that's going to stay with uh, kids in Little Silver forever and myself too. We uh, chartered a bus out and we had a, a bus take us from Little Silver to Williamsport and like a three hour drive, watched Field of Dreams and some other movies on the way out. And Rick organized a double header for four Little Silver baseball teams that were 10 to 12 years old. And instead of playing games in Little Silver on like a regular baseball field, we drove out to Williamsport and played them where the Little League World Series is. This is like incredible because just being completely candid, no team from Little Silver is ever going to make it to the Little League World Series. I shouldn't say that, but it's like a 99.9% chance won't happen um, just because of how crazy the competition is. So this was just so cool. Um, we, uh, I went along, Rick is an umpire. So Rick was the head umpire. We had a couple of friends, uh, Matt Gilson, I believe Cole Geddes was with us one time and, uh, they were doing the base, uh, they were base umpires. You had three other umpires out there. It was as if the little league world series was happening for these, uh, four teams from little silver. And, uh, I tagged along. I was the PA slash commentator, um, slash, uh, music guy. So, we were blasting a ton of, uh, you know, jock jams, red hot chili peppers from the sound system. I was announcing kids' names as they walked up to the plate and before and after the game. And it was so much fun. We were there for like, I don't know, probably like four, five, six hours just basking in this uh, amazing facility. 
And then uh, we, we came back probably around like eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night. And it was a job well done, Rick. It was a job well done, a memory for everybody. Well, that's what we do, Rob. We create memories and experiences that last a lifetime, both here on the podcast and in person. That was a great journey. I will cherish it. And that really, um, I think, solidified us getting intimately familiar with the facilities. I mean, the place was completely ours. There wasn't anybody else there. I don't even really remember seeing like a uh, security or any personnel there. We pulled up in that chartered bus and the place was ours. We had a great time. They have a museum actually on the property, which has artifacts and different memorabilia from over the years, 75 years actually worth of it. And we were able to take a tour of that. That's open to the general public, I believe, six or seven days out of the week uh, throughout the year, not just during when the Little League World Series takes place. So if you're ever in the neighborhood, even when the Little League World Series isn't happening, you can poke your head in there and it's free as long as you're wearing some Little League merchandise, whether it's a jersey or a hat. Um, So that's kind of a cool thing. And yeah, so Rob, we went out there and we got to play on the field. And then I just found myself wanting to every August make it a tradition to spend a couple days or a week out in Williamsport. I think it's tough probably to spend the full two weeks out there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to do it from start to finish. It's just such a enjoyable atmosphere. But I would take a road trip and I'd spend a couple of days out there, whether it was at the beginning of the tournament when the parade and all that optimism was happening or on the backside towards the end of the tournament when the championship, both the national U.S. championship and the international championship was to be held. So I talked about how they have two stadiums and basically the way that the format works is you've got the eight U.S. teams playing all against each other in one bracket. And then you've got the eight international teams all playing against each other in another bracket. And for, let's call it 10 days, they play this double elimination round robin tournament, which when it gets to the Saturday, so the two weeks have gone by, and then on Saturday, they play the international championship It could be Taiwan versus Japan or Mexico versus the Caribbean. So that takes place. And then right after that is the U.S. championship, where it could be Texas versus California or New York versus Florida. And once those champions are crowned, they then get back together on Sunday afternoon and they play the Little League World Series Championship, where the international winner plays the U.S. winner. And that is for all the marbles, Rob. That is what every kid hopes one day to to be in. Todd Frazier has done it. He's hoisted the championship. He was a critical player during that 1998 World Series. And so we, Rob, went out there back, like I said, last year in 2019 to watch this Little League World Series championship. But we also went out there for another reason. Walk our listeners through this memorable experience and unforgettable day and night in Williamsport. 
So we went out there for the 2019 championship. And that was, it was Hawaii versus Rick. Who was the other squad battling? I believe it was Taiwan, actually. Might have been Taiwan, might have been Japan. Um, but it was Hawaii versus somebody. <laughs> and then the next, and then we, that game was like at like a midday, like two o'clock, three o'clock game. And it only lasted about like an hour and a half. And then ironically, one of our boys, episode eight on the Brothers Brand podcast, Shane McCarthy, who threw the perfect game at Seton Hall, was playing a minor league baseball game against the Williamsport minor league team. And he, we, went to, we went to that game right after. It was like a six o'clock start, maybe a seven o'clock start. Whatever it was, we went to the Williamsport Championship at like two or three o'clock. And then after that game was over and Hawaii was crowned the champions, it was electric, like absolutely electric. It was amazing. You were, and you we were, were partying with the parents in a stance. We were having a ball. We were having a great time. We were sitting on Hawaii's side. I had my Hawaii collared shirt, which I'm actually rocking now because of this podcast. I knew it would be fitting. And you had a Hawaii t-shirt on. So we were all about Hawaii winning. And uh, luckily they won. We had a blast. And we'll throw some pictures up on the Instagram for everybody. And then shout, uh, out, it, shout, out, shout out to Julie Foudy. Shout out to ESPN commentator Julie Foudy that day. She did a great job covering that World Series championship game. And we spent some time with that FIFA and Olympic U.S. women's legend. Absolutely. And then once the game was over, most people left. They were like, hey, let's get out of town. Not us. We had a double header in Williamsport, which I don't think will ever happen again. <laughs> what, are the, what are the odds? Like, just think about that. So we grew up in a small town, right, in New Jersey. And there was this uh, stud baseball player several years younger than us. But he goes on and has an electric college career, gets drafted by the Cleveland Indians happens to be in their minor league farm system and just coincidentally the same day as the little league world series championship his team is playing against the williamsport crosscutters which is the phillies minor league affiliate five minutes away at bb&t ballpark and not only is his team playing them but he's the starting pitcher for the mahoney valley scrappers and it, Rob, it was the timing, like you said, was perfect. We went from an afternoon youth baseball game to a evening minor league game. And he did great that night. I remember uh, he pitched really well. And it was cool to check out that ballpark, which, oh, by the way, Major League Baseball has been utilizing the last couple of years in partnership with Little League International for a really cool day where during the Little League World Series, not as perfect as we've described in our doubleheader on the same day as the Little League World Series championship, but during the course of the Little League World Series, that two-week period, Major League Baseball sends two teams, whether it's the Mets, the Yankees, the Phillies, the Cubs, the Pirates, the Red Sox, whoever it might be, two teams the last couple of years have been meeting at BB&T Ballpark and playing a legitimate regular season major league baseball game but only in front of 
the little league baseball players. So what little league and major league baseball do, it's a small stadium. They only allow tickets for the players and the parents of the kids that are in the little league world series. It's so, it's it's so cool. It's so cool that they do that. And they poured a lot of money into the facilities to make it such a beautiful field and uh, very, very, very awesome trip to Williamsport. And this has been such a great episode to share uh, our experiences and to shed a little light on Williamsport, Pennsylvania. If you're up for a road trip during this quarantine or during this uh, social distancing, check it out. Kind of a bummer this year. Don't mean to end on a sour note, but you know, obviously everything's been canceled um, for this year. But put it on the list for coming years to go and check it out, and and you know maybe throw in a uh, a minor league uh, game that night when you go there to make it worth it for a little doubleheader action. I agree, Rob. Well said. And these guys are going to be back. Kids are resilient. Little league is resilient. Uh, those folks are, are going to be back out on the field, I'm sure, next year, hopefully, and it'll be back and better than ever. Uh, I definitely, like you, concur. It's a must, must trip for any baseball family. So, uh, Rob, thanks for uh, doing this podcast and making Williamsport episode 25. For all you listeners out there, I'm Rick Brandt. And I'm Rob Brandt, and we're the Brothers Brandt, and we're signing off. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.